Welcome to Neurodivergent Moments. Hello, everyone. I'm Abigail. I have ADHD. I am the autistic comedian Joe Wells. Fabulous. Wait, I just went to take some coffee, then I remember that I'm doing a podcast. And I we both did it. it at the exact same <laughs> yeah, time. We drank coffee at the same time. Keep uh, it it's... awkward. <laughs> it's a good one. This one we've got uh, Deborah Francis White. Yeah, we do. Uh, who uh, you might know from the Guilty Feminist podcast. And something we talked about after we turned off the mics for this, but I feel like we should mention now, is the Guilty Feminist podcast is what inspired us to do Neurodivergent Moments podcast. We did. We basically stole all Deborah's ideas and yeah. then invited her to be on our podcast for no yeah. money. <laughs> Incredibly rude. Which is very rude because she's had me on her podcast and pays me money. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, you know, her podcast is like a kind of more, I guess, lighthearted look at feminism, you could say. Yeah. And sometimes it gets very earnest and the whole I'm a feminist, but that's how we got the neurodivergent moments. We were trying to figure out, we, we full on stole the idea, guys. We stole <laughs> the idea and uh, we did. That's one of the lovely things about podcasts, isn't it? You can find your, your you know, Deborah wanted to start a, a community for people who, who believe in feminism and, uh, and she's done that. And we wanted to find a community for people who are neurodivergent and, uh, yeah, it's hard to do in sort of old media type ways of doing things, but podcasts, we can find you listeners. Yeah, and uh, for those of you, please uh, please keep an eye out for Joe and I's next podcast, uh, Off Deliveroo, which is a food podcast where we have people <laughs> on and we start out being like, what do you like better, breadsticks <laughs> or poppadoms? And if you don't understand that reference, ignore me completely. <laughs> It took me a moment as well, but I, I, I understand what you're doing. <laughs> good, good. Get all the that, ideas from everyone That's else. what a comedian wants, is someone to go, I understand what you're doing. <laughs> we're, there's a podcast, I haven't listened to it, which, but it always makes me laugh, the name of the podcast, because uh, we're doing all right in the charts. Thank you, listeners. Um, there's a podcast called The Joe Rogan Experience Experience, and I don't know what that podcast is, but I really like the idea of it. Oh, my God, I'm so... <laughs> so interested because that would be a way especially if they are i'm gonna go ahead if they're not joe rogan stands and they're just picking apart his podcast that's a way for me to know what's going on on that podcast without supporting that podcast <laughs> that, that was, might... that's my guess of what it is we yeah. should do a podcast where we listen to it called the joe rogan experience 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 <laughs> there we just go keep on going forever awesome it's joe rogan's all the way down and uh, in this podcast, this episode that you're listening to right now, hmm. now, we had a lovely discuss about starting and finishing things and what that's like. How are you starting and finishing things? My problems that I have starting are uh, things like uh, making the clips for neurodivergent <laughs> Sorry, moments. that wasn't me being really <laughs> passive aggressive. <laughs> I know, but it what, must what be What were we meant to do this week, Abigailah? <laughs> You know what, though? I always I always like in my head, because this is part of the reason why starting things is so hard, I think, for ADHD people is it's like I have to do it and I have to do it this way. And I get so locked into like, OK, if I'm doing Pete's video clips, that's the day I also do his promo photo. And I was explaining this to you over coffee the other day and you go, why don't you just batch create all the promo uh, pictures because they're really quick for you to make and I was like light bulb moment 
So yeah, so that's what I'll be doing this evening. At the very least, we will have the photos done this evening. <laughs> okay. Um, we should bring on Deborah, but before we do, yes. if I can do uh, one selfish plug, if I may. Um, yes. Joe Wells is on tour. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, I'm not. However, I will be doing my uh, Edinburgh show, Legally Cheeky, at the Leicester Comedy Festival, the 23rd of February um, at 9.30 p.m. at The Big Difference. So if you live in or around Leicester, it's the finished show. It's not a work in progress. Uh, I did a work in progress last year of it. You get to see what it looks like done if you did come to that one. And I would love to have you there. So February That's a lovely 23rd. venue as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nice. It's really Big nice. Difference and a great festival. February 23rd. Yeah. And like I said, you are on tour. Is there anything coming up that you want to mention? Any any dates coming up in the new year you want to put? Uh, I've got yeah, just a, a batch of tour dates. Yeah, if you go to my social media, I'll be banging on about them all the time. It'll be my pinned tweets. Um, or just go to livenation.co.uk. And there's, um, yeah, doing a tour around the UK. Awesome. All right. Let's talk. Let's step across this fight. Deborah, welcome. Thank you for having us in your house to record this podcast. I mean, I had too much ADHD to leave it, so <laughs> I invited you here. Yeah, I've learned all sorts of life hacks to get me to do things. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, if I want a personal trainer, I know the best thing to do is get them to come and knock on my door because then I will have to get out of bed, let them in. And it's too embarrassing then to say, I can't be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if they're at the gym and I'm at home, it's really easy to text them 10 minutes after I was meant to be there going, ah, oh, I totally forgot about this. Or I really don't want to do this now, but I won't say that. I'll say, you know, something else. I'm sick. <laughs> so someone knocking on the door is always a great way to get me to do something. And normally Abigail, I obviously I'll come out and do anything for you, but it's the end of the year. Yeah. I've had a really overwhelming year and I was like, I really want to do this with Abigail. But I also know that if it's in a studio on the other side of London on the day, I might go, I can't. Mm -hmm. But if you've come to me, I a hundred percent will. Yeah. I totally appreciate that as a hack. I love it. And it's nice. This is nicer than the studio we usually record in as well. We, um, we, we, the, the power went down the other day, so we couldn't record in there. So oh. It's uh, good to be here. Yeah. They told us once we arrived, we're fine. We're totally over it, by the way. Just we're as not. I parked in the £10 an hour car park, they uh, phoned us up. But let's hope they don't listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are talking about, oh, our ADHD moment. I already forgot our theme. We're talking about starting and finishing things. Starting and finishing things. No. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, I even suggested that, and yet yeah. I make that noise. Yeah, but we've started this. Yeah. Ergo, it will be finished because yeah. we are in your house, so yeah. it will have to end. We will have to we leave. We have a finish or move in. Those so, are the options. Yeah. yeah. So this is an ADHD hack for all of us. Like <laughs> we're all neurodivergent, so it's possible you may just live here now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for it. It's very nice. It's cats and everything. So here's. I, I mean, I think I know the obvious answer uh, to this, but I'll just ask it anyways. What's easier, starting or finishing? Uh, well, it depends on the dopamine uh, fairy and uh, who she is, what she is blessing that day. <laughs> there are times 
when I just start three or four things, because I can't not, starting things is a joy, starting things is a thrill. And I have four or five uncompleted things, incompleted things. And I don't care because this new thing looks so exciting. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. are other times when all I, I know, all I need to do is start and then I'll go into hyperfocus. But mm. I cannot bring myself to start. I just can't do it. I don't know why. I just can't do it. There are other times when I hyper-focus to finish something because I'm so desperate to get it off my desk and out of my life. And there's other times when I'm like, oh, Lord, this has been going on for a long time, like years. This has to end. (laughs) When will it? It will never end. Um, And especially with books, I think it's really hard to um, finish writing a book Mm -hmm. because you could always make it better. There's always a a big chunk you've left out because you go, I'll do that at the end. Like, I don't. I think it, I have to see the shape before I write that final chapter. And so you think, oh, and there's an interview I wanted to pop in there. And, it, and you just think, oh, I can't see how this will ever end. And it does. It mm-hmm. does. But I need to put in hacks and structure. And now I know I have ADHD. I feel so much better about it. I, I feel the same way. Can I ask when you got your diagnosis? Uh, Roughly. It was like end of last year. Okay. Yeah. Beginning of this year, maybe. But it was such a relief to go, oh, I'm not a numpty. Oh, I'm not a bad person. I need to beat myself up. You just, my brain works a little differently. And what the doctor said to me is, when I said, I just want to be able to keep my bedroom tidy though. I mean, you're in my flat now. You know, it's, this is not, it's not a, you know, it's, it, my flat looks nice. It's nice. It's nicely decorated. It's a nice flat. And it's, I don't think you walked in here and went, oh my God, we need to call Channel 5 to make a documentary about these people. That's not the no. case, right? It's a nice flat. It's pretty tidy. Yeah. My bedroom upstairs, which you will not be seeing, there's a little pile by my bed, which is like a landfill. And my friend uh, who just popped over, I said, don't look in there because I don't want you to see, you know. And she said, oh, my husband has ADHD and I call it the pit of despair. Yeah. And so I call it the landfill and I'm always trying to get ahead of that. And in my dreams... It's a, it's a real, it's, it's a tidy area. I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to do it every week. I'm going to do it at least once Mm -hmm. every two weeks. Like I have these ideas of how it will be different, but I talked to the ADHD doctor about this recently. And I said, I just want to be able to keep my bedroom really tidy like a normal person. And she said, okay, I'm going to give you a, for instance here, would you rather, she said the way that you could stand on stage at the Hammersmith Apollo and do crowd work and just ideas pass through your brain and you could pick the right one and throw it out and get the laugh and then join it up with an idea that was four ideas ago. She said, if you, if I, if I said your bedroom could always be tidy, but you lose that, Mm -hmm. would that be a trade-off you were willing to make? And I was like, Oh God, no. She went, then understand that a tidy bedroom is just a piece of social conformity. And what you have is talent. And she says it's not a disorder. It's not a disorder. It's just a different way of a brain working that gives you different advantages and makes some things that are generally just social mores more mm-hmm. difficult. That's really beautiful. I, I love, love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I always struggle with the um, tidy house thing. We've talked about it a little bit uh, with Yeah. Danica. My, my wife's one is called the bag. That she <laughs> she has, uh, a bag. has a bag. It has a very big bag that the things go in. I... Uh, but talking about it being a social norm, so, like, when we've had get-togethers at our house, and I think part of it is I grew up in the Midwest in a very, like, nuclear uh, 
like leave it to Beaver family where my mother was a housewife. And if people came to the house, the house must be clean and all this. So I get obsessed about cleaning our house before people come over. And my partner, Tom, is like, I don't care. No one cares. No. And I'm like, they care, Tom. People care. (laughs) Trust me, they care. And just recently, Tom dropped on me. So we're recording this right before Christmas, that he wants to have a Christmas party, which I'm like, well, I'm working every night, so you have a Christmas party. Mm. But uh, in my head, I'm like, I need a month to prepare just to clean I don't want people coming over unless it looks a certain way. I'm the same. But I also... I know that like if it looks in a certain band, people actually don't care. People come in and like when I go into other people's houses, like this room, which is meant to be our dining room, but is in fact um, a podcast. Now Tom uses it all the time as his study. We're we're figuring out we've got a, we're getting a new table that it's like, it is a desk that turns into a table. It's like this Mm. cool extendable thing. So this can mostly look like Tom's study. And then when we want it as a dining room or a bigger podcasting table, we can take it out. Um, But this room, you know, Tom's books are piled up in it and everything. But I don't think, I think this room I'm fine with being a bit of a, ah, there's things piled up. So if people are coming over and there's some clutter, I'm happy to pile it up in here. Because Mm -hmm. I think if I went to someone's house and they had a room that was clearly like a study podcasting suite, microphones, blah, 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 blah. And then they had a big pile of books and whatever and, you know. I would be like, that's where they do their, you know, that's where they pile things. That's fine. That's fine. But the living room has to be a certain way. Mm. And when you walked into the living room, I'm acutely aware of what's out of place or what's not like the picture in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what you saw when you walked into the living room. I saw a beautiful welcoming living room with a beautiful tree, fireplace, adorbs. Original art. Original art. Clever books. Clever books. Stuff that I don't have. I've got DVDs. We walked into your living room going, I'd like a living room like this. Okay, so there you go. There you go. But what I know is there are some cushions. That that, haven't been fluffed. No, they just, they just, they just, they came off a sofa that's gone now and they just sort of piled up behind one of the chairs. And so I'm acutely aware that the, the photos that were on the side table have been taken down and now nothing's been put back up. Like little t- tiny pathetic things like that that you wouldn't notice, that you just see, oh, look at did this you, broader sling bookcase. I didn't want to say anything, but I did see it and I was really <laughs> I, was... I mean, you don't know what was meant to be there. So yeah. it's like, it's, but I, so I have a perfectionism about that kind of thing, but I mean, not so perfectionist that I actually do anything about it. Let's yeah. be honest. You Before you came, I could have been running around going, that photo needs to be there. Let's pile these cushions up in a cupboard. Uh, you know, I could have been doing all of that. Um, so I think ADHD often stops you tidying, but makes you very upset that the tidying hasn't been done. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know, cause I feel that too sometimes, especially when it comes to like organization within my home, it's like, I have an idea of what it'll be like when it's perfect, but I can't be, but I can't be asked to do it. Yes. Or it's just the getting up to do it. It feels like a million steps. Mm -hmm. So my friend who's autistic said she'd run out of bread and her brother or someone was there and said, why don't you just go down to the shop and get bread? And she said, there are so many stages in my mind Mm -hmm. of just going down to the shop. I can see all of the different steps and it seems overwhelming to me. Well, I'd have to have a shower, change my clothes. This is how I feel sometimes. I have to put a bra on, have to Mm -hmm. find my shoes, have to leave the house. Then I'd go into a different state. Like I'm now I'm walking down the street. Will it be cold? Like, 
I can imagine all, like Tom, my husband, just goes, I'll just pop out and get some bread. Mm-hmm. And for him, that's one thing. For me, that looks like 25 things. Yeah. And so I get much more overwhelmed by it. Sometimes, and I don't know, Joe, if you have this too, uh, but I will be like, okay, so I need to, I want to put up our Christmas tree. Like, that's the thing I want to do. And then I won't do it for weeks because I'm like, oh, but before I put up the Christmas tree, I should probably clean all of downstairs. (laughs) And you know what? If we're going to put up the Christmas tree here, I should reorganize this shelf here Mm. so we can move. So then I I didn't put up the Christmas tree of four weeks until like finally yesterday I sat down and watched three Christmas movies in a row because it helps. And then I like pulled out all of our Christmas stuff and just put up the tree without doing any of like I put tasks in my way that don't necessarily need to be done. But I'm like, no, no, no. Before I get out the tree, I must mop the floor. Why? Yeah, the Christmas yeah. tree is going to get shit all over yeah, the floor. Yeah, yeah. Like, that drops the needles. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. Just do the thing and then when you get to the other things, do the other things. And I think I'm much better now at going, here are my hacks. Mm -hmm. These are the hacks. So if I'm really struggling to start something, um, like, and and I, by this listeners, I do of course mean start to to leave the house. Mm. That could be a thing I could Big one. Difficult to start. Um, I'm not talking about starting a symphony. I'm (laughs) talking about, I need to be somewhere. Other people will be waiting. I need to leave the house. I find if I can't get off scrolling, like if I'm lying in bed and I'm scrolling and I can't get to the part where I might stand up, um, if I put a podcast on, uh, or this is how I watched Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I put an episode of Wednesday on. So now my phone is tied up. And also the endorphins, apparently it's like you need... uh, um, serotonin to the brain Mm -hmm. and your brain doesn't manufacture enough of its own Mm -hmm. so if i put on an episode of something and and during the pandemic when i really struggled because i was on my own and i don't have those didn't have those normal social very sociable so yeah if you're coming i guess i should put some clothes on because you're coming i should get up and an upright position i should put some eyeliner on and Please bear in mind as well, some people will listen to this and they'll know my work and they'll think of me as a hyperproductive person. That's what I wanted to talk about next. And yeah. the truth is I, I am a hyperproductive person. I have so many different projects. I have so many different things. on, But I still, it, it's like having a superpower, but also like it's a kryptonite. Like mm. I will be able to finish a play and somehow manage to get that play produced at the same time as struggling to get out of bed. It's a very strange thing. Mm-hmm. But so my hacks now, and I've stopped beating myself up for it because now I know it's ADHD, Mm -hmm. is I'll put on an episode of something I know well, so I don't really need to focus on it, but it'll give me enough of the happies, maybe an old episode of Schitt's Creek or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'll take it into the bathroom with me. I'll put the shower on. I'll get into the shower and get out of the shower while that's on. And then if I'm running late, I might call a taxi. I tend to call get taxis rather than ubers because i don't like uber but uh and uh if it's somewhere where like you know it's a reasonable price to get a taxi to and if the taxi's coming i have to get dressed i know that sounds and that's very indulgent and that's very also privileged that i can even do that Mm -hmm. but it's things like that whatever that shortcut is for someone else you know if it's not somewhere i can get a taxi to i might call the person i'm going to be meeting and going hey i'm just about to get on the train 
mm-hmm. and I'm walking out the door now just wanted to say blah 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 and that's so that I do the thing that I'm saying I'm doing because I can hear the person's voice and I know they're going to be waiting for me so things like that that where whatever it is the thing that will get me out the door mm-hmm. I do that thing mm-hmm. um but that's it's a great example of it is calling an uber knowing that now I it's the uber's coming in three minutes so now I have three minutes to get ready mm. because then and I take my makeup with me and I do it in the back of the car so and I used to be like, why? I see other women sitting at a beautiful dressing table doing half an hour in their makeup, half an hour blow drying their hair. And that's just normal. And they get to an office job at eight. Mm-hmm. So they get up at six and they do that. And that's their daily routine. And they don't think anything of it. That would be so difficult for me. It wouldn't be possible. Like it would be, I have to be doing my makeup on the way to the thing. But now I'm like, well, that's how my brain works. So it's okay. I had a conversation with someone yesterday and they talk, who has ADHD and talked about helpful and unhelpful shame. And he said that that sort of, I'll be embarrassing if someone comes around you know, to pick up, if the Uber comes around, I'm late. That'll be embarrassing to sort of utilise that shame, but also recognising the shame that's not helpful for them and sort of letting that go. Oh, embarrassing deadlines is how I've created my whole career. <laughs> it's like, it's like I, people used to say, but how do you, you know, you'll write a whole screenplay and I write that, you know, other people say I'll write half a screenplay and then I'll, never finish it and I'll be like oh because I create an embarrassing deadline and it's true like when I started now I have commissions and things and it's not the same but back in the day when I first started writing like when you first start writing you need to write a lot before anyone will buy anything or commission anything you know it's it's it doesn't just very few people will be paid to write their first thing or their first six things you just have to start writing and most people even if they're talented writers because they don't finish the project and then send it out they write half a great screenplay and then, you know, or even half a bad screenplay that, you know, but they don't, a, a whole bad screenplay is better than half a good one because mm-hmm. you get, you, you get better at writing screenplays by writing more, but you've got to complete them. Right. And if you send someone a full screenplay, they're usually impressed. You finished it and send it out. And so they'll give you their time to go, Hey, this is, this is what your problem is. You've the, the hero doesn't really want anything or whatever it is. And that's how you get good at it. And the way that I, got good at that was two things um one writing with people at the beginning so I got used to the habit of writing and could then write on my own but number two was I would say to a bunch of actors hey um having a reading of my screenplay Saturday afternoon the 14th of January um I've booked a room above a pub I'd love you to come and do that would you be up for it and usually actors will say yes or you know I'll you know back in that the Back in the day, I don't think I had the money to pay people, but it was, we were all kind of grassroots, scrappy, young up and comings together. And so I'd put on the sandwiches or whatever. And um, people would be like, yeah, I'd l- I'm not doing anything in January. I'd love to come and do a little bit of acting. That'd be great. And then I had between whenever and the 14th of January to finish that screenplay, because what I could not imagine is all of those actors turning up and there's nothing to, mm-hmm. for them to read. So there better be something for them to read. <laughs> so I have to finish this. And embarrassing deadlines. I just want, when young writers say, I always say embarrassing deadlines. And it could even be a friend telling them, I'm going to send this to you on this date. And then they'll be like, oh, when's the thing? Right. Um, but getting other people to read and other writers to come together to read your work out loud mm-hmm. is the greatest thing. Because it's so incentivizing as well, because you're going to hear it out loud. It's exciting. It's endorphin inducing. But more than anything, if you had, if you didn't do it, why not? So for me, that's my incentivizing, and I love it. I love doing that. It's so fun for me. That's so smart. 
Because even if like screenplays are so daunting and even if it doesn't get commissioned, at least you have, you've done a thing with it. You've gotten a read through. You've had, instead of writing a whole thing and then it just sits in a PDF file forever. Brilliant. And so, we talked to Beck Hill about the fr- TV producers have the phrase, whenever's good for you. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Oh, well. Um, do you tell them? I said to Sundu V the other day um, that I find book editors are like the indulgent Danish parent. Because, you know, she does material about her husband being an indulgent Danish parent and her being a strict Indian parent. Mm-hmm. And I said, I feel like TV and film tends to be more like the strict Indian parent where they'll be like, where is it? If they've paid for it. Whereas book editors are much more like, I want the best book that comes out of you. And I want to, I want that time to, you know, you need to be able to press. And if you miss the deadlines, they're like, no, no, no. I know you're working on it. So I know. And I'm like, ha oh, I need. So next time I write a book, cause I've nearly finished this book now and I have such an incredible editor. But next time I think for myself, it's really hard to impose stricter deadlines on yourself, but next time. And I think honestly, she was right. Cause the best book has happened because of things that have happened to me and the way the world's changed, this book is going to be better because it's going to be out later than we thought it would be. Mm -hmm. But I think next time I'm going to say, let's try you saying this many chapters needs to be done by this date. And if they're not done saying, where are they? Or can I have my advance back? (laughs) Cause then I will write them. Then I will write them. And even if, we want to hone them and over and over, you know, even if we still give it that extra year, yeah, that extra year can be for rewriting, thinking, interview, whatever. Do you know what I mean? But I think I'm going to ask her to impose stricter deadlines on me because once the, once it started and once I'm thinking about it and once I'm excited about it, I have so many more ideas, mm-hmm. but I, I, and, and this is, she's an absolute dream. This is not her. This is fully me. But I think asking as an ADHD, uh, person ask for ask for the structures you need not for the structures that are regularly in place for neurotypicals and so if that's please check up on me on the first of march tell me to send you whatever i have and if i go no 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 no, just give me another week i'll have more go okay so by friday you're going to send me whatever you have even if that's the same as what you have today Mm -hmm. that's and that will incentivize me to like polish it and if for whatever reason next week is a, a hellish, you know, so many levels of like, you know, genuinely uh, ADHD people also have scheduled things that happen. It's not always ADHD. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's life. Yeah. Sometimes it's train strikes. Sometimes yeah. your laptop breaks, whatever. But on Friday, we agree, even if it's still in this state, you're going to send it to me. Then like ask them to put that in place for you because you're not neurotypical. So you might need different structures. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard thing to ask for, I, I find, but it's even those small things. I think particularly in like our industry where being hard to work with or demanding is like the worst thing you can be. And I worry about asking. I've started asking for deadlines, but it's, still, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do, I find. I, I think people are, I think, I don't think you would be known as a diva. It, it, you, I think you're more likely to be known as a diva or hard to work with if you just skip deadlines and don't get back to people. I think if you go, hey, I'm... I'm not neurotypical, so I thrive on deadlines. Please give me deadlines and please chase me for the work. They'll be like, wow, what what a conscientious person. I don't think anyone would describe you as hard to work with. I think they think you were conscientious and brilliant if you asked for that. I think that's true, yeah. I think I maybe have that sort of uh, what's the anxiety about myself that I'll be perceived in that way if you sort of ask for things. But yeah, I think you're right. You know, Actually, most people are quite 
understanding when you ask for things you need. Yeah, I think the world's getting a lot better with a lot more awareness as well. Mm -hmm. So I think now if you go, oh, because I'm not neurotypical, I need this and this and this. But as soon as it's sociable or like when I'm writing with other people at the moment, I've got a project on where I'm writing with the director and it's so fun. And we say, you know, I'll, I'll do this. You'll do this. The writer's assistant will do this. And then we'll all meet back up to show what we've done. And then I want to bring my sandwiches to the picnic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like so excited to see what they'll think and see their work. Mm -hmm. So I find that deadline so much easier because I would never think about not doing it because I can't have them show up with all their great work done Mm -hmm. and me just go, I didn't do it. Yeah. But if I'm the only one and I'm in a vortex, you know, on my own with somebody going, whenever's good for you, it's so easy not to do it. Yeah. But I'm the same person. So it is structure. Yeah. It's structure. It's pa- it's struct- It's the structures. It's almost always structure. It's like accessibility. A door is an accessibility tool. Stairs are an accessibility tool. But just for the vast majority of the population. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not, that's not, that door might be too narrow if you have a wheelchair. Those stairs may be completely inappropriate for a wheelchair. Mm. They're an accessibility tool for most of the population, not for all the population. So if you want the the building to be accessible to everyone, think about what accessibility tools you've made for yourself Mm -hmm. and then go, would they also work for this kind of person? Mm -hmm. Or better still ask this kind of person, what kind of accessibility tools would be good for you? And it's the same with neuroatypical brains. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I was talking to Bishop Ali about this and we were talking about the, um, uh, that, uh, Bishop was telling me that on the Savannah, we needed people with all sorts of different brains uh, when we were nomadic because uh, you certainly like, for example, you need people who stay up at night when, who are nocturnal because otherwise you're very vulnerable. If mm-hmm. everyone sleeps when it gets dark and wakes up when it gets early, you're very vulnerable. As soon as industrialization hit and they wanted to marshal people into, even before probably for agriculture of getting up with the sun and, you know, going off and doing things to the sun, but even more so with industrialization when you're pushing people into factories. We now need everyone to wake up at the same time and go to the factory and finish at the same time and sleep at the same time. So now we favor brains that like to get up in the morning and go to bed when it's dark. Mm -hmm. So now the ones that don't do that are disordered. But that's not the case. It's just the structure has changed to imply that the ones that like to go to sleep uh, uh, later or stay up till three in the morning are disordered mm. and that's it's all about structure yeah yeah it's so interesting like for me starting certain things like uh we've talked about this a little i think on hastings where it's like you, for instance writing an edinburgh show i finish an edinburgh show and i'm like well that was the best thing i've ever written how do we start again and starting especially like a writing project of a big project like a show or a book or something like that the starting is so hard for me because I think my head isn't thinking of just get it out there just like rough draft I'm thinking about once I start writing it I need a finished product but that's not how it works I remember once hearing a someone say writing happens in rewrites so if you give yourself a deadline 
I have to have these chapters done by this date. It doesn't mean you have to have the chapters as they will be published done. You just need the chapters done. Mm. And um, something that my dad always used to say to me when I was a kid, because I'd be really anxious about uh, starting things or going to places or anything. Uh, and I've heard it since. I think it's a, a psychology thing. But I heard my dad say it first. So I credit him. It's just 90% of life is just showing up. Yeah. So it's like if you can just get the words on the paper, if you can just go to the new material night, go to the reading, 100%. that's 90% of it. And, and once you start, it's easier to finish because then you see an end to it. And with show business, it's, it's, it's showing up and then uh, resilience hanging around. Mm. Like uh, most people show up for a number of years in show business and then they go, oh, this is too hard or I've not broken through and become the huge, great big shiny star in the sky that I imagined myself to be. So I'm going to stop. And so there are fewer people at every stage. Like it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, like younger people come up. But if you hang around for a long time and you're talented and you, you know, you work on your craft. Yeah. Eventually, eventually things start paying off. That's been my plan to stick around for forever until they let me be on TV. I have discovered that if you just won't go away, that eventually they do, they go, all right then. (laughs) And I don't think even TV now is necessarily where it's at anymore. Like TV used to make you famous. TV used to make you wealthy. And now it does really neither because you know, you, an average family, someone will be watching TV, someone will be watching YouTube, someone will be playing a video game. There is no TV show now that is as universally watched as any of the TV shows that were pretty just ordinary. Oh, this sitcom people used to watch because it's Thursday, it's nine o'clock. It's this or that. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so I think now also the artists have taken control of the means of production through, you know, you're so big on TikTok, you mm-hmm. know, that there's so many different ways. My podcast is big, you know, like there's so many different ways now you can find your own audience that I think that's exciting for me. And I think that really opens the doors for people who are neurodivergent to find their people, to find their audience and to make something that they really believe in uh, without gatekeepers going, ah, oh, it's only really this sort of person who looks this way and thinks this way mm-hmm. that we allow through. Yeah. I love what you've always said about podcast is uh, podcast is radio that people can't stop you from making. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Nobody stops you making. No one even tries. I always keep thinking someone's going to come around and go, that's enough now. But they don't. <laughs> you can just keep doing it as long as you want. And how long have you been doing the Guilty Feminist podcast now? Uh, seven years. Uh, and let me just look at the date. Is it the 12th? Yeah. Seven years and three days since we recorded the very first Happy one. Birthday. Wow. Thank you. We had our seventh birthday show at the Hammersmith Apollo in September because that's the date we could get the big venue. But yeah. Life goals, Joe. Life goals. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. Did, did you, I really, because it's such like a, a, um, a pot, like such an exciting with podcasting where it can find its audience. Did you pitch it to radio before you started as a podcast? <sighs> no, I was sort of really beyond that. I, I had my own show on Radio 4, but I got a season one was four episodes. That won the Writers Guild Award. And then season two was, was two episodes. And I was like, you know, and then you have to wait so long till you get them until they get put out. And I was like, I just want to make something that I can make and put out. And even if it only has 
2,000 listeners, that's 2,000 listeners every week that want to hear what Hilda I have to say, and that's fine, that's enough for me. And uh, then we got 10,000 uh, listeners in the first, like, month, and we were like, oh, this is much more than, many more than we would be expecting, because a new podcast, they say 2,000 is good. And then now we've had 100 million downloads. Um, that's not a hundred million individual listeners. That's a hundred million downloads. So that's people regularly listen, but it's a lot of people and it's, it's great. We can tour it and, you know, into big venues and, and that kind of thing. And I think, um, I do realize I couldn't have a regular job or I'd find it very hard to have a regular job. Um, I did this personality test. Um, and I know most personality tests are a bit like astrology. It's like, you know, it tells you lots of things that could apply to anybody, but this was one that pilots do. And genuinely, I is know this someone... the one with the letters, like ENFP, INFJ? I can't remember. Well, it's it. not like Myers-Briggs, which is a bit more, you tell it Myers-Briggs, you find it hard to be tidy. And then it says, you know, you find it hard to be tidy. And you're like, okay, yeah, I told yeah. you that. It's, you can't, you can't, I, you can't anticipate what they're trying to get at. But I know someone who wanted to be a pilot, got a double first at Cambridge, Every single thing about them said they could be a pilot. They failed this personality test. They couldn't be. And it's partly because they need to know if you're going to keep your head about you in a crisis. Mm. Um, um, I did it because it's very expensive to do, but I got it done for free because I was doing a lot of corporate work, doing diversity and inclusion and things like that. And the guy tested me so I could recommend it to my clients. And he said, uh, when I got the results, it was the questions were things like, do you prefer? I remember this question. Would you prefer a well-made gun or a beautiful poem? <laughs> like, what are they driving at? Wow. You can't cheat it because you don't know what, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, how well-made is this gun? Yeah. That's my first question. <laughs> uh, obviously, I prefer the beautiful poem, but it, I, it was hundreds of questions. It took hours. And he said he could determine how long someone would stay in a job. And so he did this for big companies and they would go, oh, we want the one who went to Harvard and Yale and Oxford. And, you know, and he'd go, look, knowing your company's culture and from what I can see in this test, this person will stay six months. And he said, invariably, they go, we, we trust ourselves and we want them to be our new CFO. They would stay six months. Mm. He would, they would call it. So he reckons this really didn't work. Who knows? But um, on it, he said, oh, you're very spontaneous. I was like, well, the name of my company is The Spontaneity Shop. There's mm-hmm. no great surprises there. And then he said, you're a very loyal friend. I thought, well, that's, I think that's true. And then he said, um, and it's good that you work for yourself because you're unemployable. I went, what? <laughs> I went, what? No, I'm not. I used to get offers all the time. When I did, did more in the corporate world before The Guilty Feminist, I would get offers all the time to work for learning and development or pitch coaching, pitching. Um, he said, um, and I never took it because I always felt like I would be selling them the iPhone without the charger. Mm. I felt like what they were seeing was me all lit up, but I was all lit up because of the creative things I did Mm -hmm. and I also felt as a freelancer coming in I was allowed to do whatever I wanted but as soon as you have the lanyard and the email address they start asking you to conform and then I knew I wouldn't be what they wanted me to be so I never took it but I always felt like if things went tits up in show business I had options and he went yeah no you wouldn't be able to handle it and I was like and he said I would advise they wouldn't hire you I was like oh my god (laughs) and he said no because and this is what he said Never forgotten this. I said, why not? I reckon I could go and work in the HR department, learning and development, do amazing work. He went, this is why you couldn't. Big companies like Accenture and EY and JP Morgan or whoever, he said, they 
will ask you to do things a certain way. And he said, what you do, what your brain does, is if you assess that the way that they've asked you to do it isn't the best way, you'll do it your own way. (laughs) And I went, yeah, everyone does that. And he went, no, they don't. I said, yeah, they do. He said, everyone, no, why would anyone do things a way that was not as good as the way that they knew that they could do them? Couldn't understand what he was saying. He went, no, no, people do them the way they're asked to do them. They're company people. They do it the company way. I said, well, that's foolish though, because if they've got a better way, he went, no. He said, those companies, they want you to do things their way. And if everyone's roguely off doing it their own way, even though those ways may in times be more expedient, better, economical, zhuzhia results, whatever, he said, it's, they need everyone doing things the same way. And you would not be able to do that. You will continue to do things your own way. And I was like, the best way, yes. And he went, yeah, that's your problem right there. I said, I don't have a problem. He said, no, you don't have a problem because you don't work for Accenture. But if you did, he said, even though you go in as the shiny star going in and doing the diversity and inclusion seminar and make them all laugh and give them a good time, yeah, you can do that, but you can't work for them. And I thought, oh my God, if everything goes tits up, I'm going to be penniless. Like I'm just never going to be able to get a job. And then I spoke to my friends about it and they went, well, Madonna's unemployable. The Queen's unemployable. Richard Branson's unemployable. Lizzo's unemployable. Lizzo wasn't around then, but many years ago. But, you know, Lizzo is unemployable. Uh, And Lady Gaga's unemployable, obviously. They were like, all the best people are unemployable because they all do things their own way. And so you're, you're thinking unemployable like I can't get a job, but that's not your situation. You've, you're building something for yourself. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so, yeah. I thought, okay, I have to realign that. Um, but recently I told that story at a company on a job I was working on and I realized what I'd said. <laughs> It's a writing job. And I went, not unemployable for this kind of thing, though. And they all looked at me like, your contract's not done yet. <laughs> Going back to starting and finishing, just out of sheer curiosity, Deborah Francis White, what's something recently that you started that you're really excited about? And what's something that you've recently finished that you're really excited or, or proud of? Proud, proud, excited, interchangeable, both words apply. Um, something I started that I'm, I'm proud of is is it okay to say the guilty feminist? Yes, of course. Um, I feel like that really changed my life, but also it's a very me project because it's a community that I'm at the center of, not at the head of. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. And something I finished, I'm going to boldly say my book because I'm going to act as if it's finished because it's virtually finished. Mm-hmm. And if my editor's listening, it's might as well be finished. Like it's that close to being finished. And it takes so long to finish a book and it's so hard to finish a book because it's a completely solo operation for someone with ADHD. But for anyone, I think it's hard to finish a book. So I finished my first book and that did well. And so I got asked to write a second book and I didn't until I had something to say. I didn't want to just write something for the sake of it. And I feel like I really have something to say now. It's called Six Conversations We're Scared to Have. And it's about the, it's about my feelings about uh, some of the cult-like tendencies that we have now on the internet to put people into good or bad boxes or to 
shun people or to and and this is from a very liberal perspective of someone who for example has really benefited from the me too movement it's just really talking about the processes we use and how we feel about some of the uh more recent uh changes that have happened in society and what's great about them but what also but ways in which we need them to grow up now we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we mm-hmm. need to let the baby grow up into a into a into a fully fledged human that sounds fascinating awesome i can't wait for it to come out congratulations on Thank finishing you very it much. amazing uh, at the end of the podcast we ask for a neurodivergent moment which is the moment where you realize that your brain was unusual do you have a recent neurodivergent moment uh yes uh the other day I spent 20 minutes looking for my glasses and I was really panicked because I can't read without them. Like I can see perfectly. I have 20-20 vision, but better than actually, not to brag. Uh, but uh, I, if I, I can't read my phone at all, like without my glasses, uh, hardly. And I was really panicked because I had to go and I was late. You know, that really ADHD, mm-hmm. nothing's together, melting down. Now, you know that story of like, they were on my head all the time. <laughs> sure. That's a that's a neurotypical. Oh my god, they were on my face. <laughs> oh my god! I was literally looking through them for them, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is embarrassing." That's, that's hysterical. <laughs> I really did think I for a moment looked... we were gonna go for the meme of they were on your head. No, I, no, I looked that. in the oh. mirror. I thought even that doesn't really happen in real life. Yeah, <laughs> I looked in the mirror and was like, "They're on my face." <laughs> Oh my gosh. Another good uh, coping uh, hack there for you. More mirrors in the house, Deborah. Yeah. More mirrors. Every surface needs a mirror. Exactly. Um, Thank you so much for having us at your place to record this. And uh, yeah, we will. we, we always like to end with a sort of awkward thing that's our brand yeah I was going to say we'll ha- we'll be back soon but that just implies that like Joe and I are going to show up here <laughs> welcome anytime we in this house every week now. yeah <laughs> welcome anytime awesome thank you so much thank you so much thank you Guys, that's Deborah Francis White. Deborah Francis White. Um, I love how one of the things she started that she's proud of is the Guilty Feminist podcast. And again, going back to how Joe and I uh, were inspired to do this podcast off of her. She had me on the Guilty Feminist podcast in Cardiff. And uh, she put us in such a nice hotel. And I had a bathrobe and everything that I sent Joe a picture and be like, (laughs) this is the goal. That we take it on tour (laughs) and we get to stay in hotels that give us (laughs) bathrobes. I think that our our total money we've made, we could just about cover one of us to stay one night in the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I call dibs. (laughs) Hey, should we do some neurodivergent moments? Yes, yeah. Do Do you you have one this week? Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Um, So... Uh, My partner, Tom, and I, our Christmas plans fell through way back in September. So we decided for Christmas we were going to do a couple's vacation and go skiing in the Alps. And it's now December 14th, and we haven't booked flights. We haven't booked a hotel. We haven't decided where in the Alps we're going. We may not go on a ski vacation at all (laughs) at this point because none of neither of us can bother to be sit down and do the admin of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> is that why ADHD people are spontaneous? It's because uh, you just leave it to the last moment. You've got to yeah, see and the, the option. The dopamine hit is the best <laughs> when you don't think it's going to happen and you slide right under the wire. Oh, <laughs> ain't nothing better. Uh, what's your neurodivergent moment? I, I made a joke at the doctor's day, which didn't get a laugh, but um, I hope that our listeners will enjoy it. I, I'm also, I'm going on holiday to Mexico and uh, I had to go for my holiday jabs and uh, they give you all advice. You wear sun cream, all sorts of stuff, which I do anyway. And uh, they're talking about rabies and um, they said, so if there's any stray dogs or anything like that, don't make eye contact. And I said, oh, I don't anyway. But... <laughs> I'm glad you think that's funny. Got nothing in the doctor's office. It was, uh... <laughs> doctor's like, okay, then. <laughs> yeah, I've got, to, I've got to not make eye contact with uh, with dogs in case they bite me and give me rabies. Oh, <laughs> adorable. Um, do you have some neurodivergent moments from listeners? Okay, so I have one from Alex. Uh, Hello, Abigail and Joe. Love the podcast so much. Thanks for making it. I recently met for the first time a close friend of my new-ish partner. I was pretty nervous about it as I'm autistic and know that neurotypicals sometimes perceive me as talking too much about myself. I decided to make an effort to ask her questions about herself. All through the meeting, I was thinking, ask a question, ask a question. I couldn't think of anything. Finally, I said, so I'm pretty bad at asking people questions about themselves. Apparently, there was a long, awkward pause, which I was oblivious to, before my partner said, Alex, is there a question following that, or is that just a statement? (laughs) It was just a statement. (laughs) Apparently, the whole thing was hilariously funny, so I'm pretty bummed that I missed it. (laughs) Thanks again for the podcast, Alex. Oh, God bless you, Alex. (laughs) Just let people know that you're bad at asking your questions about themselves. (laughs) Hey, they've been warned. They've been warned. So if they want to tell you... If they go, how was your weekend? And you answer as as one should, uh, and you don't follow up with how was your weekend, people should know that they just go, well, my weekend was. They can fill in the gaps. Yeah, that's an you invite. Don't, you don't that's need an to... invite to um, to talk about yourself, isn't it? It's like I'm not good at asking questions. Give me some yeah. facts. Exactly. Um, I decided, as I said at the beginning, I'm not reading a neurodivergent moment specifically. I'm reading this really lovely review that gave uh, Joe and I all the feels. So this was left on Apple Podcasts from Aliska, and she gave us five stars. Thank you, Aliska. And this is what she wrote to us. Neurodivergent Moments is a perfect balance of info and laughs with plenty of relatability to boot. It's a must listen for anyone reeling from a late diagnosis, but also great for friends and family of neurodivergent people. I feel more understood and less alone with every episode. And it's so interesting to hear how other people understand and work with the same issues I have. It's like getting to sit and chat with friends. I'm not going to cry. It's like getting to sit and chat with friends about what your brain is like without actually having to burden friends with your own processing stage, because that is legit hard for some people to go through. At first, I was listening alone, but my partners enjoying the show too now, because it helps them learn too. 
Keep up the good work, Joe and Abigail. And thank you for being my neurodivergent imaginary friends. Oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> and she spelled my name right and everything. <laughs> oh, God. That's really uh, lovely. Yeah. And that probably made us happy after a recording where virgin internet completely <laughs> made our lives very difficult. Yeah, just decided not to work. Um, thank you so much, Aliska. And, and we have... Uh, quite a good number of fabulous reviews and those of you who've sent them, um, thank you. And that being said, it is an excellent segue into our giveaway for Pete Warmby's book. That was a smooth segue. I'm very impressed by that. <laughs> now you know why I read the freaking <laughs> iTunes. Um, so Pete Warmby, who was uh, on the podcast, as we mentioned, has a fabulous book called... What I Want to Talk About. And uh, his publisher slash Pete has been so delightful to give us three of his books to give away to listeners. Um, Joe, how do you win Pete Warmby's book? So you will need to go to Apple iTunes and leave a review of our podcast. I'm going to say a five star review. That would be my suggestion. Um, <laughs> leave a five star review with a written review, um, even if it's just short, short saying that you enjoy the podcast. Um, we will take put all of those reviews into a big bag and we will pull out three of them and we will announce them on our social media and if you are those people then you can contact us and get a free book yes and just so you guys know our social media we are on instagram and twitter for as long as the website lasts and we are at ndm underscore podcast at both of these uh socials so follow us on instagram twitter and we will announce the winners in the new year if you are not a winner or if you'd like to buy a book as a, a christmas present it might be a little bit tight getting a christmas present if you're listening to this podcast today it comes out but um we have a discount code as well so if you go to the jessica kingsley publishers website which is jkp.com and find pete's book it's called what i want to talk about and then when you go to the checkout, put the code in, all capital letters, W-I-W-T-T-A-M-Y-P-O-D. That's W-I-W-T-T-A-M-Y-P-O-D, uh, which I think is what I want to talk about. I'm not sure what the my is. And then pod, I assume, is the podcast. What I want <laughs> to talk about, my pod, my pod. It's, that's the worst discount. Sorry to Jessica Kings and Publishers, <laughs> but that's the worst discount code I've ever seen in my life. I'll do it one, one last time for listeners. W-I-W-T-T-A-M-Y-P-O-D. You can pause the podcast and go back and find that discount code. And that puts it down to nine ninety nine, which is a steal. Yeah. So uh, please do that. And then at the end of January, we will start our book club on our Patreon, where Joe and I will be discussing Pete's book. Cool. Uh, we'll check you guys later. Bye.